Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 224 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins. Thanks so much for stopping by and hanging out here. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to share a little resource I put together for you. In this uncertain, strange COVID time that we're all sort of experiencing right now, um, it's more important than ever to look at other ways to be flexible in generating revenue in your freelance design business. I've heard of designers having their business completely erode because they you know, were only specialized in marketing print or sort of marketing design and marketing collateral. Um, and then I've heard of designers that are able to offer packaging design as a service who have seen their business absolutely skyrocket during this time. So it's all over the place, but I put together a guide and it's the top three ways that you can make more money in your design business, your freelance career, your freelance side hustle, your design business with print design, the top three ways to make more money with print design. So if you want to check that guide out, and what you're able to do and implement some of these things to increase the revenue of your business, head over to printdesignacademy.com and check it out there. Totally free. Check it out. And it's definitely fitting to talk about that in this intro because this guest of mine is obsessed with print. She admits it openly. She's obsessed with print. So who is it? My guest today is Monique Renee Meyer from Monique Renee Design Studio out of Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. She admittedly is obsessed with print, like I said, but she's also very active in the design community and a lot of mentorship programs, so really focusing on giving back. During this episode, we also talk about how she started the local ladies wine and design chapter for her in that little area. Little, it's not really a little area, but in that area. And this episode was just so much fun. Just tons of fun. I had such a great conversation with Monique. Super easy to talk to. Is not afraid to share the stories, the wins and the fails. And her roundabout journey to finding design and finding her home in design in the little area that she's carved out for herself. So I'm going to let her tell all of the stories in this episode. I'm not even going to tease them a little bit. So uh, let's get right to that. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Monique Renee Meyer. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Hello, Monique. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast. How are you today? I'm fabulous. How are you? Perfect. I like that answer. Really excited. The energy behind it. I'm fabulous. Uh, yeah. My friends would call me fabulous for many years. And um, I'm like, yeah, that fits the bill. So let's run with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that fits. Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So first I got to ask, are you ready for a quickie? Yeah. Every day. <laughs> Happy day. So let's get right into it. Monique, briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Ah, uh, briefly. Okay. Brief, brief fish. Brief, brief fish. Okay. So I run my own design studio here in the mid cities area of Texas, which is the area in between Dallas and Fort Worth. 
from about 20 minutes each way. Uh, moved here, I guess, November 2019 for mm -hmm. my husband's job. We relocated from South Florida, Parkland area. I think most people are probably more familiar with Fort Lauderdale, Boca. Mm -hmm. We moved here from there. I specifically do nonprofit design, working in the marketing area. I don't do logos or branding or anything like that. Um, I got my master's degree in graphic design and digital media from nice. Academy of Art University in San Francisco. Super great school, amazing experience. Um, I'm super, super, super obsessed with print and editorial design, layouts, but more importantly, typesetting, and crazy obsessed with um, teaching designers um, or even clients how um, type is really powerful in visual storytelling. So that's where I spend most of my time. Um, and I'm also the host of Ladies Wine and Design. A oh, new right chapter on. In the yeah, a new chapter here in the Mid-Cities area I founded about two months ago. So I have that going on right now. Good for you. So when you uh, arrived, you sort of looked around to see what was around, what communities you could get involved with, and realized that there was no ladies wine and design in your area. So took the bull by the horns and started. Yeah, so I was involved in the Miami chapter. Mm -hmm. It's about an hour from where I lived, but it, it really changed my career as far as my confidence mm -hmm. as a woman and hearing other women and their stories. And I just love the setting. You know, I'm really involved in creative mornings, and that's a huge like, community setting. But ladies' wine and design is very intimate, usually limited to about six people, mm -hmm. so that everyone has a voice and it's more of a conversation. Um, and when I moved, I spent my time going back and forth between Dallas and Fort Worth, and I'm like, wow, it's really difficult for people who work during the day to make it to an event in Dallas at 6 o'clock or to Fort Worth or whatever. And people do it, but there's a lot of talent here in between. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to give women that opportunity that I had to connect to other women. Very cool. I love that. I'm, I know the uh, the group of ladies who started the Vancouver, BC chapter here. And just an awesome bunch. And seeing what they have done for women, obviously, specifically in the design field and the group that they get together, just awesome to see. So that's super cool. Oh, thank you. I'm excited. So, Monique, I'm going to kick this way back now, and I want okay. to ask you about your childhood. I want to know, do you feel that you had a creative childhood that sort of steered you in this creative career direction? So, I think that I was born this way, as being creative. I have a twin sister, so sometimes you'll hear me say, we... I'm just used to doing that all these years. <laughs> um, so we were raised in San Diego. And my mom would always tell a story about how when we would go to the beach nearly every weekend, um, that I would kind of be off in my own world, building a sandcastle, doing this, doing that. Um, and that even in school, we went to a magnet school that was super creative and taught us to be super independent. Mm -hmm. But I was always doing dioramas and project, you know, creative stuff and making my own stuff. So I think it may have been a combination of the school setting and super supportive parents, um, but that it was also just kind of in me to explore and be adventurous. And um, I don't think I knew of anything design-wise, but just I just remember playing with clay a lot and molding things. And um, anytime I had to do a project, it was like, 
spending so much time in the Hobby Lobby type stores trying to find, no, that's not the right color. No, mom, I want this and that. And they're like, okay, Monique. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. So when you, when was the moment that you really just went graphic design? That is it. Okay. That was way into college. I actually entered college as an engineering major. Wow. Yeah. Partied a lot. Had a great time <laughs> in Atlanta, Georgia, and I went to Spelman College, which is an all-girls school, and then Morehouse is an all-guys school, and I had an, an amazing time. Um, but I spent a lot of time working in the music industry. Uh-huh. Um, I worked for Arista Records and a radio station. I did a lot of events for like Outkast, any of the area Arista Records uh-huh. um, artists, and I saw more of design that way. I okay. kind of didn't see it any other way. I always designed like flyers for organizations and stuff, but I saw people actually have businesses where they were marketing people and promoting people. And I was like, okay. Um, but I never thought of it as a career. Mm-hmm. So um, just, you know, finishing school and kind of wandering around after that, um, getting jobs. I was like, hey, you know, every time I had a chance to, as an administrative assistant or whatever, to do a presentation, a PowerPoint or something, it was always done really, really extravagantly and well. And I spent so much time on that. It would be like, Monique, we just need this and that. I'm like, no, it has to, you know, this has to be left aligned. This has to be this and that. And I was like, wait a minute, this is what I love doing. And so that's when I went back to school to get the foundations that I needed to do it for real. Mm -hmm. So did you fully graduate like with that engineering degree? No, I actually went back. I took two years off okay. because I felt like I was wasting time and money. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually went back as a philosophy major because mm-hmm. I still wasn't aware of design. And I was like, maybe I, my twin sister went to law school. I was like, maybe I'll go to law school. But I am super big picture, um, a big thinker, very analytical. And when I get, went back to school and did all of, the, all of this writing, I was a 4.0. I was on the dean's list. I'm like, that Woo-hoo. was like my thing. Yeah, and I actually use that um, in design today. So, no, I did not graduate with design, which made it really difficult for me to find a program when it was time to go back to school because they were like, what? Philosophy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> nice. So is there anything in either that sort of phase of your life making that move from, you know, engineering to philosophy and then really nailing down design? Is there anything that stands out as a really influential design, maybe the most influential design or piece of art that you've seen? Something that you saw and has just stuck with you since you? Um, I don't know if it was something that I saw, but it was something that I did that sparked mm-hmm. my curiosity. Um, I worked at the University of Georgia and I was a program assistant and there was a the chair of the department needed to have some kind of marketing pieces for um, a conference that she was going to to try to get people interested in coming to their program. Okay. And so in PowerPoint, because I, I mean, I didn't know Adobe or anything in PowerPoint, I designed this folder with different levels. I guess it had in the inside with here, check out Athens, Georgia. Here, here's about the program, and it had different colors, and it was so amateurish. But they thought it was the bee's knees, <laughs> and they ended up recruiting, you know, about six students off of that, and that became like my new task. And from that, I started doing research into, huh, like what else can I do? 
Um, so I didn't think that that was so amazing. I really wanted to do more with it, but it was limited mm -hmm. in the software. And I don't even think I was aware that Adobe and all these things existed. Um, but that experience was like, huh, people do this for a living. I see brochures places. What, you know, how can I do that? And so yeah. that's what really sparked it for me. That's such a cool moment. And the first thing that caught me when you said that was like, I'm familiar with PowerPoint and how... <laughs> so props to you for figuring that out but yeah that's where a lot of people start is in microsoft word is in powerpoint yeah. is something i personally designed things in i was a mac person or a mac person yeah so i um i designed in pages like their yeah. word editing software or whatever i just i literally designed a 32 page magazine like wow. four or five issues in pages oh my god yeah, I was totally, and I think back to how I was back then when I figured out designing in PowerPoint was better than Word, how freely you can move things around. <laughs> and I would go around like, why are you doing it that way? You should use PowerPoint. And they're like, oh, okay. And <laughs> did I know that? I love that. Yeah. Girl, you should be using PowerPoint. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's so good. Look at this. And I would take the mouse and like, look how freely. And then you can add this. And like, whoa, it's not just for presentations. I'm like, no, you can do flyers. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, Monique, I want to ask you how many or who are some of the designers and brands that you currently look up to now or closely follow now and what about them do you like? Mm, so that's tricky. I'm in a unique space. I'm, I'm being very present with myself. I'm very one with the university kind of person uh -huh. um, that I don't actually follow. I follow on social media, but I don't mm -hmm. follow closely mm -hmm. because I have found um, in the recent past that we're kind of taught even in school and just in the work world, like seek out inspiration. So you're on Pinterest all day and um, Behance and looking at what other people are doing, which is great to find the inspiration. But mm -hmm. for me, I found that it muddled my own abilities to figure out what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. And so in the past year, I've kind of tuned that out. A lot of it had to do with the move as well. Um, and just setting up my studio, but I've tuned it out because I'm like, okay, Monique, let's get real. You have the education, you have the work experience, you've done some stuff that you're happy about when it comes to projects. Let's see what you can do before you kind of get these other ideas in your head. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a personality thing because for some people they can scroll and look and be like, oh, that's cute. And for me, I'm instantly thinking, oh, I would have done this or, oh, that's great. You know, let me save it. But I, do, I feel like I don't have my own ideas sometimes. So that's just mm -hmm. the space I'm in now. And I'm sure I'll get back to it. But I try not to be inspired so much elsewhere right now. Yeah, I understand that it's a careful balance between, you know, looking at somebody's work and just, you know, appreciating it, appreciating it for what it is, but mm -hmm. also not letting it be too impactful, too influential to the point where you start seeing it creep into your work and you start, you know, making connections that way. So that, I mean, personally, that's always a worry on my side. Um, you know, I don't ever want to be in a spot where I've seen something online and, and mistakenly or unconsciously replicated it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I would mentor design students, 
you know, everyone's digital now, so they're always in social media and things like that. It's it's such a fine line, and it's hard to communicate how um, you have to separate yourself from the project. So things that I find, like editorial layouts, books, you know, that kind of stuff is, I mean, done really well is super, I mean, it's like a piece of art. It's super mm -hmm. impressive to me, but... And I may be like, oh, I love how narrow the columns are. That really works for that. And Monique likes that. But as, you know, the studio and working on a client project, that doesn't work for this particular project. That doesn't make sense to have narrow columns. It's not telling the story well. And so, yeah, I try to limit that, especially when it comes to working on projects. I just try to be in my head and use what I've learned the past 15 or so years. For sure. I love how you described that, um, how you described editorial and, and print design as a piece of oh. art, because it, it is such a different feeling between creating an online brand and an Instagram ad to creating something that lives in print in your hand becomes a tangible thing that people can carry with them. People are looking through and flipping through while you're, you know, well, well, they're at home and stays on their coffee table. Like, mm -hmm. like it's a different feeling. Yeah, I'm surprised I even said the word art because I went a few years being anti-art. Uh, design is is not um, subjective, and you're communicating a message, and it's not art at all. And I don't understand why people call it. all these. You know, design is not art is a big thing. Um, but beautifully crafted pieces are just mm -hmm. simply magical and I don't know if, if it's because that's my area that I love or if it's just in I don't know I try to convince my husband I'll look at this you know and I save things that come in the mail and he's like yeah okay you know but I, I really do think it is just a work of art and the time that I know that it that it takes to put into that mm -hmm. yeah so I'm gonna go off script here and ask you a question um do you ever, and be honest, Monique, do okay. you ever smell the mail? Like smell the print? I smell it when it comes out of the printer. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You know, for, I'm always cold, so I definitely enjoy the warm feeling, but I do smell it. Mm -hmm. um, and I've actually, um, when I've looked at paper, um, sometimes I would smell it, not the mail necessarily. And maybe it's because I'm in the hot weather. I just like, oh my God, just get in the car and go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't take the time to do that. Um, but yeah, coming out of the printer, definitely. There's something special. <laughs> totally. I, I have, and I'm going to confess this here. I have smelled so much paper and print that I can tell usually how something was printed by the smell, I can tell, you know, what paper was used because different papers have, have their own smells. Like um, mohawk papers, like their nice white mohawk papers have a really clean, almost clinical smell to them. And, you know, different papers just have different smells. So my wife looks at me crazy when the mail yeah. comes in, you know, I pick it up. Oh, that's kind of cool. Give it a nice little smell. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Wow. That's well, now <laughs> I'm really intrigued. For me, it was just like, I don't know. It's the experience. Maybe I had no idea that. There really was a difference. Now, okay, yeah, I have a whole pile of stuff over there. That's what I'll do the rest of the day. <laughs> it just starts smelling <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. That's awesome. Um, that's so good. So the next few questions I have for you, Monique, um, take you through part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some lessons, changed course. Um, 
And I want to I wanna get into those, and then right after that, we'll turn this bus around. We'll finish up in a happy place here. Um, okay. What has been the most challenging period of time in your career so far? Why was it challenging, and how did you get through it? Um, I would probably say just collectively, you know, I've worked a bunch of different places. I've worked a lot in higher education. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to work for the Home Shopping Network. Um, I used to work for Microsoft Consulting Firm. Um, I had really great experiences, but the biggest struggle was when I knew and in in those roles until most recently, those roles were always like an office manager, assistant, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I struggled with being able to communicate how effective design can be mm-hmm. in so many ways. And so when I got into I fought my way to having real design roles. And in those roles, the struggles were always not being able to get all the information I needed to do my job well. Uh So I never had a problem with leadership, you know, someone being above me. But the issue I had was them as, I guess, the middleman between myself and the client, Uh quote unquote client, whoever needed the project done, where it was just like, okay, well, here's a project, do it. And I'm like, but I need this and that and this. And why don't we use this color? And why don't we do this and that? And I was like fighting constantly, just, you know, and they're like, just do it. Like they just need a fight. Well, it can be better if we do it this way, or if they give us a little more lead time, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And then in roles where I had more authority and control, I found that I had less time to spend on actually designing because there's all the other managerial type stuff that you have to deal with. And I was just never a person that wanted to manage people. I want to manage projects. I care about the work so much. Um, and, And it's not just because, oh, I'm born this way. This is my profession. It's because for whatever they wanted to do, promote an event, um, get, you know, donors to donate, design plays a huge role when they go to that mailbox and see another whack ass postcard, excuse me, that looks like (laughs) everything else, you know, are they going to pay attention to that? Or can we do some unique folds and some bold colors and then put it in a clear something to make it stand out? You know, that fight was just um, too much for me. Like I want to do amazing work and I want people to get the return on whatever it is that they're Mm -hmm. doing and really understand the impact that design has on stuff like that. So that's so true, that struggle of really trying to relay the benefits of doing something and putting something extra into something. And the example that you used of, you know, just a postcard, like if you're going to create just a postcard, how can we jack this thing up so that it gets way more attention Mm -hmm. in the mailbox than a standard postcard does? And one of my big things, and I hope at some point in my life, in my career, I'm able to sit down with executives at McDonald's or Burger King or wherever it is, because what drives me crazy is those coupons that you get in the mail for fast food restaurants. And they all do. And it's just like a boring piece of paper printed with like out of register pictures of their food. And you're supposed to like just tear these things off. And usually the coupons have like the perforated dotted lines printed, but not actually perforated. So like it, like you have to cut this. Yeah. And I just like, guys, just going a little bit further, perforating those lines. So it makes it easier for the person to use it. It just makes it so simple. The next thing is 
use a scented varnish, make that damn coupon smell like bacon, make it do something that like just blows it out of the water and you get so much more use out of it. Yes, it costs a few cents extra more per piece, 100%. However, if your engagement goes up 5%, you win. That's what I always say. People always look at the, oh, we have a budget. Who doesn't freaking have a budget? Yeah. I have that on my website. That doesn't translate well to me because everybody has a budget. Like mm-hmm. I have a budget and I go to the grocery store and I always go over it and everything's fine. Um, yeah, that focus on, oh, this X amount of dollars. But what I always say, well, what are you trying to get out of this? Like, let's start backwards and go. And, you know, we're in our temporary space and we still get mail from the last person and I'm not a smoker at all, never have been, but she got this like Marlboro light something. And I didn't know that that's what it was. Like mm-hmm. it was a freaking beautifully designed brochure. Um, and it was like trifold and it was just put together really well. And it was like this beautiful green forest green. It just stood out. And I was like, what the heck is this? And I opened it and it was like glamorous. And then it was like, you know, see marble, whatever. I was like, what? Smoking? Like, that's insane. But I was able to, like, it attracted me just Mm -hmm. because I was curious about it. I don't know if that's their standard marketing, probably not to blast their name. You know, people would just toss it out because that's what I would have done. But I mean, it had a satin finish. I mean, it was just gorgeous. And so I kept it. (laughs) You know, leave it to like the, the cigarette and tobacco companies and liquor brands to do like the really nice stuff. When, you know, the guys who are also making piles of money, like the insurance companies and, you know, all these other companies, like throw some money into it. You know what? I'm paying so much a month for damn healthcare. You can at least send me a nice brochure. Oh, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Oh, whenever I sign up for something and it's like, do you want the emails or print? And I'm always like, print, let me show me what you got. Uh Like, (laughs) you know, print is not dead. And in this day and age, I mean, people are going to get really tired of being online all the time. Like this is the time Mm. to really do some impactful stuff. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's, I always cringe because I think I bet there's somebody on, on their team that really gets it, but their voice isn't being heard, you know? Totally true, right? Like in that boardroom setting, because that's usually how it is with big companies oh, like yeah. that, you know, the designer doesn't get a whole lot of whole lot of clout and say in those situations. Nope. That's why I started my own studio, so I can educate while designing. Good for you. Thanks. Okay, so the next one, I want to get a little bit more specific. Um, okay. Can you take us to a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well, didn't bring the desired results, um, went sideways? What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Mm, I have to think about that. Um, I guess there's one when I was working at a university um, I mean, the end result was that it just went the way that it did. Um, <laughs> but it was for, and that it was for a, um, oh, the health center. And they had a new collaboration with a local farm um, to do deliver farm fresh produce on campus. Mm-hmm. And so that particular university um, didn't, care to have complementary color palettes. So everything was like these two colors that and everything you saw just these two colors. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, there are more colors than that. You can have your brand colors, but that's why they have complementary colors mm-hmm. to complement these. So 
Um, I thinking obviously of farm fresh and things I had ideas for kind of a whole foodsy browns, greens, you know, things like that, that palette and just went ahead and designed it like that. And it was absolutely ripped apart. Like, no, it has to be these two colors. And I was like, no, it needs to be <laughs> these colors. Everything is that color. This is, I mean, and I am an organic -y type person. Like this is something that if you want to talk about organic being a trend find or whatever but with the younger population they want that uh -huh. and to have this you know ability to have this delivered to them on campus for those who don't have vehicles or they don't have to go out there and they put in their requests and the farmer picks it like it's this whole story like why uh -huh. don't we have a website about like this is this whole thing and you just want to do this one like rack card and just hand it out while the students get thousands of flyers and things like what's going to make this stand out and make it so great and they just did not get it and you know i fought for it and lost and i was like well whatever you know <laughs> yeah. lose sleep over it but that you know things like that when it becomes that frustrating those were the things that made me go home and work on my website and work on other things because you know i care about design I'm like that's not design mm -hmm. and the younger me would have been like maybe I'm wrong and I'm like no there's nothing wrong with being confident in the work that you've done the experience that you have the mm -hmm. education you have and have paid a lot of money for um, there's nothing wrong with being confident in your voice just because they don't get it a hundred percent yep and then yeah. no matter what situation no matter how great your work is no matter how aligned and how well it solves the problem the design problem you're always going to run into circumstances where some things just won't hit some things just yeah. won't resonate it doesn't matter if you're the best designer in the world there's some things where a client who's paying you is going to yes. go no it doesn't work for me even if yeah. it solves the problem yeah. And I, you know, early on, I think a lot of young designers face that you take it personal and mm -hmm. um, you feel defeated, which is fine. And I think that never goes away, especially when you're someone that cares so much about the work that you do, which is why I've spent so much time um, finding ways to heal that with hot yoga and meditation and healing, balancing my chakras and things like that, um, you know, very into that uh, type of stuff um, because it, it can really kind of wear you down. Um, but I've also learned from that as far as my studio goes and the contracts that I have for my clients and that we work in milestones. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I spend a lot of time in the beginning doing research. I have them do Pinterest boards and they'll pin stuff and we walk through, I call them collaborators, not clients in the contract. We walk through every single idea they have, why they feel that way. And it's, it's a drawn out process, but it makes sense. And then every step of the way they're approving. Now, this is what we agreed on. There's a refresher even before I show them what it is. Mm -hmm. This is what we talked about. This is this. So here's where we are. And then they have to click. Yes, this is where we're going or not just because you know, you've been there. We spend so much time designing it. You think you have it. And they're like, oh, no, I was thinking more. Well, you didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that. Collaborators instead of clients. Yes. Yeah, I was big on that. The The word client just, it's antiquated. Um, I get it. But I think as designers, same with freelance, like there is just this 
negative association with it. And when it's clients in the design world, they think, hey, I need this. I'm paying you. Kind of do it. I, mm-hmm. I just believe that that's the association. And for me, it's um, they have a lot of input and are very much a part of it. I can't do my job well without you, you -hmm. know, just because I've gone to school and stuff doesn't mean that you say, Hey, we want this annual report. Boom. Magically. I know what to do. Like, let's talk about what's been done before. Let's talk about, um, what's your desired, um, output. You know, what do you, what do you envision for this? And they're like, huh? You know, like, yeah, let's tell the story. You know, it's not just like, Hey, designer, do this. Hey, do that. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, there's a balance between, um, you know, and you find this with different clients where some clients will want to be more involved and other clients will just be like, I would love for you to just take this and run with it and do your thing, do you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those clients, but then I'm also weary because sometimes they're the ones that are like, well, I was thinking more like what the <laughs> school was doing. This is what I was thinking. You know, they, they're... Yeah. They're sweet in that they they really do trust you and mm-hmm. they really, you know, but they can't help that they can't properly communicate in a design way. Like they don't know what we need. And so that's where the joy in my job in my studio comes in. It's kind of the nurturing in the beginning, you know, hey, you do have a voice. Hey, I really need to know how you feel about this, mm-hmm. you know, and giving them examples and kind of co- coaching them along the way has proved to be really successful for me. Awesome. Okay, last tough question, and then we'll spin it around. We'll get to the happy place here. Um, Monique, what is something you are struggling with in your design career right now? Mm. Well, I would say design-wise, I'm good. Like I said, I'm really being present and focusing on um, my skill set and challenging myself to really apply what I know Mm -hmm. to new things that I've never done before. But business-wise, um, you know, that's that's the other side of the running the studio, the joy in the projects, and then the business side, the setup and all of that. I've gotten to a really good place except for um, social media and digital marketing. And I'm getting to the point where, you know, I designed my website. I had an attorney help me with my contracts. I've done, like, the back end stuff as far as workflows and things like that. When somebody goes to my website and they submit a request and they get the automation stuff, all that stuff is golden. But, you know, I think it's super important to be active on social media, which I am, but I don't think I'm posting enough. And that's because I have 45 bookmarks, 50 documents of everything that I'm putting out there. I break it down into weeks. I finally found a social media planner I like and I get to it and I just like, oh, there's a little more I want to say. You know, it's a little different because I want to use my social media platform to educate. Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in having pictures of me three times a week. <laughs> hey, I can help you with your design. Like that is so not me. Like I, mm-hmm. I want to talk about my process, um, show my work, but then also educate specifically on typesetting and such. And um, I'm a writer at heart. And so I may have an idea one day and then the next day I look at it, I'm like, is that what I really want to post? I don't know. So social media has been the difficult part because I just can't seem to like 
break free and do it. And then I specifically focus on Instagram and LinkedIn and yeah. Instagram, I live for the grid. And so I think about designing for it. So then there's the design aspect on top of what I have to say. And so I'm like, okay, well, if this is a weak spot, let me hire someone. But I'm anxious about that because, you know, I want someone who knows B2B and using the platform as an educating tool and not mm-hmm. as me looking at the ground, touching my hair, talking about design, <laughs> you know, like I'm not a model. I'm not, you know, I, I don't want to do that. So that, that's my biggest hurdle. I have post-its here now, do this, do that. I write it down. I put it on the calendar. I'm like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> You're just waiting for it to feel right. Waiting for it yeah. to, to click something to feel aligned. Yeah. I do believe there's, there's something there. Like I can schedule it force myself. I'll do some posts. I've had some um, talks and things that I've done. So I posted that, but I care about the design. So I'm like, huh, let's design this 1080 by 1080. And I do mm-hmm. one post and I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> this is so much work. How do people yeah, do this? Thing? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. I, I think I have to just kind of I don't know. We'll see. Do you find creating things for yourself and your business is more difficult than client related or, or um, collaborator related stuff? <laughs> um, yes and no. I think now that um, I've established my brand, I guess, as far as colors and type and, and my mm-hmm. voice, it's become a lot easier. I think the struggle is just um, in the beginning was a little bit, does anybody care? And then I was like, well, I don't really care. I'm doing it for me. It was kind of like, just get your thoughts out of your head Mm -hmm. into social media. Um, No, I I don't think it's any different. I see myself when I'm designing social media graphics to be moving things around and struggling with it and like, oh, shoot, I forgot that hashtag, you know, that kind of thing. Um, Yeah, I just think it's just the designer's mind, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, completely. Really depends on the situation and the and the project and and how it all aligns. But once you've figured out your voice and your visual uh, direction, like that's a huge step. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it took many years of when I think back to what my website's plural used to look like. Uh, I've come a very long way. Yeah, in everything <laughs> I've ever done, I've taken screenshots of how they once existed. So that, you know, at some point down the career, my career where I'm like really, really stoked on something I have and this is beautiful, it's perfect. I can like look back to where I started and appreciate that, you know, I just kept moving. Yeah, <laughs> kept going. I, I was thinking about that um, the other day. I was like, I'm sure I have it somewhere. There was a great period of time where I was obsessed with mock-ups and I, I mean, I could have shut my computer down how many mock-ups I downloaded to make my work look great and I'll look back and I had one that was like a a pole banner Uh but it had like this like mystical cloud behind it for some reason it didn't bother me then and then I'm like what the heck like this just church flag floating in this like like it just was absurd um so yeah I definitely have some of that to look back and be like okay sister like everything's fine (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) okay Monique let's switch this around and get uh, get to the happy stuff I want you to tell me about a project now that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of the one that just makes your heart sing Mm. 
So I would say, I mean, color-wise, it's not um, something that gets me excited, but it excites me every time I look at it, and I actually have four copies of it, because it changed the course of my career, was a book I designed um, towards the end of my master's program. It was a class, it was like an advanced type class, Mm -hmm. and up until that point, you learn about type, and you learn about branding, you learn the history of design, But this course just like floored me. And I remember struggling in the beginning with it um, because it was something I hadn't done before. But it was to design a book. We had um, a document of like 10,000 words of informational text. We could only have two PMS colors, the 10,000 words, five images that we took ourselves and maybe like two, two graphs. And before that, you know, you're designing with images and doing all this stuff and not, I mean, you're focusing on type, but not using type to tell the story. And so um, during that time, I was living in South Florida and Hurricane Irma was heading our way and I actually missed like a week of school. Um, And so I picked informational text that had to do with erosion and things after storms. And so the colors, I I picked a blue, uh, my two colors, I picked a blue that was like, a darker blue um, because the crystal waters were no longer crystal. You know, they had all this Mm -hmm. craziness going on. And I picked like this oddish brown color to, it's like a brownish green to, um, to, I guess, look like mud or something. Mm -hmm. And those were my two colors. And then the type that I picked was very heavy for the emotions that people felt at the time. And the type actually kind of flooded off the page course that to show the flooding and the columns were really narrow and kind of went up and down like waves like waves nice yeah through each of the pages so when I show that book which I don't anymore but I would show it to people um or in interviews and they just do not get it you know because it's like oh this is like sad and like yeah you know then I go into telling the story about it but it is something I'm most proud of because of I remember how I guess, um, not snobby, but I went into the class like, okay, like last year in my program, I know everything, Um, and uh, completely floored me. I had no idea what I was doing and Mm -hmm. thought I knew about type, and that really picked my brain. It was a semester-long thing, and I struggled round after round after round, and she's like, try this type, try that, and it clicked, and I was like, holy crap. I always knew I hated logos, you know, and I almost gave up design because I thought that's all they did for a while. And I was like, man, I'm a detail person. Um, I love learning about type and using it as a voice. I didn't know that that was a thing, even through my master's program. You know, you're kind of taking classes to learn things, but, you know, I didn't think about my future after. And that one book changed the course of my career. We had to get the books printed, so the Mm -hmm. print was involved in that. Um, but just learning how important type is in visual storytelling just completely changed my path. It was great. That's awesome. So it's not like, it's not as though that project is like the most beautiful work or the most emotionally impacting work, but it's what the, it's the change that it caused for you. And that's why it's such an impactful project. Yeah. I, I used to post about it a lot and I would still tag my professor and I I, like thank her so much she's like you fought me in the beginning like I know that's what I do but um, (laughs) yeah it it changed the course of my career that's awesome what a great one 
Thank you. Monique, you've reached the point of the show for the Ask It Forward question. This is where I have a question for you from my last guest, and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. Okay. So my last guest was Roberta Hall, also known as Happy Impulse Online. That's her her, uh, sort of alias that she's doing her awesome work under. And she wanted to ask you, what is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? Ooh, <clears throat> so good. Um, fuck it. <laughs> is what I, I mean, honestly, what I would say. Love the it. mind is extremely powerful. Your mind can make up stories, mm-hmm. take you places you don't need to go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I learned that fear stands for false evidence appearing real. Yes. And that was very much a lot of younger me as I think it is most people in my career and just life in general and relationships and things like that just fuck it like allow yourself to be human allow yourself to explore you don't have to have things figured out you don't have to go to high school go to college get married have kids like have this linear path Mm -hmm. if there's something stressing you and bothering you and you can't quite put your finger on it that's what I say fuck it Awesome. I love that. I love that. And yeah, that, um, that acronym of fear, I've heard that before and it is so true. So true in everything. Yeah. So Monique, what's the question you would like me to ask the next guest for you? Um, I was thinking of a more of a design one. Mm -hmm. Um, and that stems from, you know, design for me having come out of the corporate world and the grind and all of that and it being more of, um, allowing me to teach and to also inspire and motivate not just people, but, you know, entrepreneurs and small businesses to do more and be more, Mm -hmm. you know, I would like to ask aside from a means of income and a title, what role does design play in the bigger picture of your life going forward? So what role does design play in the, in the bigger picture of your life yeah. going forward? Mm-hmm. I like it. I like that one. Very thought provoking for sure. Thank you. Perfect. Monique, you've reached the end of the quickie podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest today. This has been awesome. Of course. It was fun. Thank you for having me. All right. All right. That's it for today's episode. I told you it was fun. And she had great stories to share. I loved the energy coming from Monique. Super fun. So if you're digging what you're hearing here on the Quickie Podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening, and leave me a rating and a review. They make me smile. They make me feel warm. And uh, that's it. So uh, stay classy. Bye.